it's Gloria, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of Miss Independent. Irene is back, and we continue the conversation about the cost of pet ownership. Last week, we talked about budgeting and planning considerations, and this week, we'll focus on pet insurance. So if you haven't listened to Part 1 yet, go and do that, then come back here. Hope you enjoy! In part one, we left off with Irene sharing the time that she had to take her greyhound Toby to the emergency vet. When it's an emergency, it's a lot more expensive than a regular vet visit. So let's jump right back into the conversation. Would pet insurance cover emergency vet visits? So pet insurance is a pretty interesting topic. So for anyone who doesn't know what pet insurance is, I think the best way to describe it is it's pretty similar to car insurance where you're paying a monthly payment just in case something happens. So when I first brought Toby home, I decided to get pet insurance because I am a first-time dog owner. I have no idea what shenanigans Toby would get into. I didn't know if he was going to be a healthy dog or if he was going to come home with um, illnesses or anything. So I decided to get pet insurance. After a year, I decided not to. When he did eat his toy and I had to take him to the emergency vet, it technically was covered because the plan I had um, covered accidents and illness. But the thing is, I realized that the amount that I was paying in terms of my monthly premiums, there was a certain amount of deductible that I had to pay before the insurance kicked in and covered the remainder. So the plan that I had, I wasn't paying enough monthly to be covered at a lower deductible. So basically I had to pay that $300 vet visit out of pocket. But if that vet visit was say $500, I would pay the 300 out of my pocket and then the pensions would have covered the remainder. So it kind of depends on the company that you get your pet insurance from, the procedure that your pet had to go through. Yeah, so so there's different things that would impact the premium that you pay as well, right? Like the type of dog and the age of the dog and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So I think the main three factors that impact your monthly premiums would be one, the animal. So in terms of breed, just because if we take dogs, for example, certain breeds of dogs are more prone to specific types of illnesses. With greyhounds, they're pretty healthy dogs, but with any big dogs, they are prone to bone cancer. Another consideration point is the age of the dog. So if you get a puppy, the premiums would be much lower because the risk of having an illness in puppy is much lower than that of an older dog. So if you adopted an older dog, then there might be some pre-existing conditions that the dog has that would need to be covered. And then the last thing that would impact the cost would be your location. So that costs in big cities are more expensive than somewhere in a rural part of the province or country that you're in. Yeah, so it is just like car insurance where it's like if it's an older car, then you have to pay more. And then I guess there's different types of pet insurance coverage too, right? Like you mentioned that you got accident and illness, but then I guess you can get like one or the other or different combination of coverage. Yeah. So it would depend on the insurance company. So there are pet 
specific insurance companies. And then there are big name insurance companies that cover car and home, but also have a separate section for pets. So it really depends on what those companies offer. Generally, there are plans that cover accidents only, which is probably the cheapest type of insurance that you can get. And then there's accident and illness. So it will cover accidents like ingesting a toy, but also illness. So for example, if Toby in later years had cancer, then if I had had insurance, it would be covered if it's listed as one of the illnesses that they cover. Okay. So yeah, I guess there's, there's a lot of things that go into that. Do you think that pet insurance is worth it? I'm going to give the answer that everyone hates hearing and it depends. (laughs) (laughs) It really depends on your current situation. For example, can you afford a major surgery if your pet gets sick or gets injured? Can you pay out of pocket to cover that as well as the cost afterwards, after the surgery? Mm -hmm. That is the one main thing that I think a person would need to consider. Another consideration point is the type of pet that you're getting. So for me, from what I've seen, it makes sense to get insurance as early as possible because there wouldn't be any pre-existing conditions. So with my experience with Toby, so when I first adopted him and after he had his first checkup with the vet, um, we found out that he came home with hookworms, which is basically a parasite that is found in the intestines. And it's pretty common in when you um, adopt from a group where a lot of dogs kind of live together. And when they poop, <laughs> I don't know how to eloquently say that, but when they poop and it's kind of like an open area and cleaning it up isn't a priority, then that's how parasites can transmit from one another. So it's pretty common in, in puppies that if they grow up closely with one another, as well as, um, unfortunately, greyhounds. So because the pet insurance company deemed hookworms as a pre-existing condition, because he technically came home with that, they didn't cover that cost when I had to buy the medicine to clear him of the hookworms. So for me, from a customer experience perspective, it just wasn't a good time. It's not... It's not something you want to see in your inbox saying you're not covered when in theory you should be covered, but because you came home with it, they're not going to cover it because they said it's a pre-existing condition. And the weird thing about how they word these policies is if you were to get hookworms again, they wouldn't cover it because they listed it as one of his pre-existing conditions, which to me doesn't make sense. So in in that case, it would be good to have like some money set aside for your pet in case of emergencies, like an emergency fund, but specifically for your pet. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did. I think for a lot of people, pet insurance does make sense because if they got the pet insurance when their dog was a puppy and over time, maybe they developed some sort of behavioral issues or an illness, then it would be covered because when they're a puppy... Hopefully, they had no preconceived mm-hmm. conditions and they would be covered. But for me, because I adopted him when he was older and there were things that they considered pre-existing conditions, it didn't really make sense to me. And for the first year that I had Toby, he, other than him 
ingesting things. He is a very healthy dog. And in my case, I felt that I saved enough money from my co-op terms university to set aside as my emergency Mm -hmm. Kobe fund. And I put it in a cashable GIC, so it's low risk. But instead of me paying a company on a monthly basis, I just have that money sitting with the bank. Mm -hmm. It's earning interest. And if I ever need it, I can cash it at any time. So for me, it makes more sense that I have this lump sum of money saved away that's making me money versus me giving money to a company and for them to tell me, oh, no, you're not covered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because when you're paying those premiums, you're not necessarily putting that money away to be able to use it for later because you still have to submit the claims and they have to approve it. So it's a whole process. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, it it really depends because I, I have some friends who do have pet insurance. Granted, they are in the U.S., so maybe their plans are better, but their dogs um, have behavioral issues and it is covered by their pet insurance. So it's mm-hmm. much cheaper for them to care for their dogs with pet insurance versus if they didn't have it. Um, yeah. So it really depends on the situation and the pet that you have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd imagine that recurring expenses would be helpful to have pet insurance to help take care of that. And also, I guess, very expensive surgeries, things like that. Yeah, exactly. And can you walk us through your actual costs for when you had pet insurance? For my first year, when Toby was on pet insurance, I look back at what I had spent on him. So my monthly premiums at the time were $70 a month and the deductible was $300. And the plan that I had was accidents and illness. So when Toby ate his toy and I took him to the vet, because his vet visit was less than $300, I had to pay that out of pocket while paying $70 a month. Mm. After the one year mark, I decided, I don't know if this is worth it anymore. And I decided to try the accidents only plan, which was $20 a month with a $100 deductible. And then quickly decided to just cancel and plan after that because I had another instance where I had to take Toby to the vet. I think it was because he ate a treat and didn't chew it. And it was a dried piece of meat type thing and because he didn't chew it he it just kind of went in his body and then as it rehydrated in his body it blocked something oh no so so he just kept vomiting all night like anything he ate he would just vomit out because that piece of whatever it was was stuck in him Mm -hmm. so I had to take him to the emergency vet yet again they had to do x-rays and luckily, it just kind of passed over time because the whatever rehydrated kind of passed through the system. But in that case, it was covered. But I don't know why, but I have to look back, but I don't quite remember. But another instance where it, was, it just wasn't covered. And it was just another negative experience with that pensions company mm-hmm. in the books. So... It was just it was not a good time. And that's why I decided to cancel my plan altogether because why am I paying twenty dollars a month for something that wouldn't give me a service or a benefit? And 
while I was researching pet insurance again for the podcast, I decided to see how much it would cost now with the same pet insurance company for Toby at his current age. And it costed out to a hundred dollars a month from what it was five years ago when I first had his claim. And I decided to change it up and see how much it would cost for a two-year-old greyhound. And it was pretty much hundred dollars a month again. So it's pretty expensive. (laughs) Wow, that is really expensive. Yeah, you'd have to consider if you could just like put that money aside instead and have an emergency fund as opposed to the pet insurance. But I guess, yeah, yeah, like you you never really know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like no one really knows what's in the future for Toby. All I can hope for is he'll stay happy and healthy forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know if later down the line he needs surgery or something, I have peace of mind with the money I set aside for a Toby emergency fund that if something happens, I'm able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it really depends. And I think pet insurance for smaller breed dogs are probably cheaper, I assume. <laughs> I only price don't greyhounds, but. I, I think it also depends on the breed because I know, for example, French Bulldogs, super cute, but they have major breathing issues because their faces are so smooshed in. Mm-hmm. So that's something to consider when looking at different breeds of dogs. Yeah. I think the bottom line is just to make sure you have a plan in place where you can take care of your pet in an emergency time, whether that is pet insurance or having an emergency fund for your pet. Exactly. And I think any pet owner can agree that if something happens to your pet, happens to your pet, you're willing to spend any amount of money to get your pet better. And it's really important to know or be aware of how much a surgery would cost or how much a vet visit would cost. Mm-hmm. and plan for that yeah yeah you don't want to be shocked with a thousand dollar bill yeah, exactly be aware that after every year when your plan matures I don't know what the word is but after a year um, you would kind of have to renew your plan mm-hmm. your monthly costs will increase because they have to account for the increased costs for vet bills in the area so over over time, the costs of living and the cost. The same happens with car insurance, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So similar to car insurance, after every year, you may see a monthly increase to your premium. Same thing with pet insurance. And you, it, it will most likely increase year over year. Mm-hmm. Yep, everything's expensive. Oh, so expensive. <laughs> But pets are worth it because Toby brings me infinite joy. <laughs> yes, so worth it. Yeah. So do you have any tips and tricks with regard to the monetary aspect of pet ownership that may be surprising to listeners? There's a lot of ways where you can cut costs on your daily things. So a few things when I was unemployed with Toby is I would always look for kind of DIY things that I can do at home. So for example, 
microfiber cloths that you can get from Walmart for not that much money, but they can just be used for everything, cleaning um, your dog and your home and where they live. I use it as like a toothbrush where I like wrap my finger around the microfiber cloth and just kind of rub his teeth to clean it. A money-saving tip just because doggy toothbrushes can add up. Coconut oil is just an all-purpose tool. You can add it to your pet's or dog's mm-hmm. food um, for shine your coat, as well as it can. it is antibacterial, I think. Don't quote me, but it does have properties where you could, in theory, use it as doggy toothpaste. Um, yeah, and then I'm pretty lucky where Toby, again, is very chill and he's used to human handling, but I do his grooming at home so i bought a dremel which is kind Mm -hmm. of like a mini sanding machine from home depot i think at the time it was like 60 bucks and i just do toby's nails at home which is way cheaper than taking him to the groomers and getting his nails done by someone else so i've made back that 60 dollar dremel years and years ago Mm -hmm. so i'm very lucky that toby let me dremel his nails (laughs) (laughs) and he's very cooperative just need to shower him with treats but saved a lot of money in terms of grooming, um, where I can do it at home. And also, um, Ikea has these really cheap $2 lace blankets, and I bought, like, I think probably like 15 of them. (laughs) 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 They're just, like, good to have around the home. If you don't want to do laundry so often, you just kind of um, cover the dog bed or put it in the car or just have it handy so that, they have a soft place to lie down, but you don't have to do laundry so often. And because I give Toby raw bones for him to help clean his teeth, I can use those fleece cloths or fleece blankets, wash them, and once they're so nasty and gross, then I can throw it away and it's just a two-buck investment. So mm-hmm. there's little things here and there that I can save money. Um, and I think Toby is just a very low maintenance kind of dog. I don't have to give him back very often just because greyhounds are not very stinky dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big benefits of feeding raw is not having teeth issues. So with greyhounds, they're notorious for having really bad teeth. And that's a major cost for a lot of greyhound owners is dental um, because of the tartar buildup. And it's just not a fun time um, but because he's fed raw there isn't that tartar buildup that you get with kibble and because they give him raw bones it helps with cleaning his teeth so for me i'm paying more money on a monthly basis on this food but it is helping me in other aspects where i don't have to worry about dental um he's a healthier dog overall because with most kibble companies the ingredients are not great Mm -hmm. so overall health he is a very healthy dog and I'm very grateful for that and I save a lot of money because he's healthy (laughs) yeah no that's awesome well obviously having a healthy dog saves you a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) yeah I just need him to stop eating garbage off the floor (laughs) yeah yeah has he gotten better with that over the years no I think if anything if he sees food while I'm walking him, <laughs> he's he's more sneaky now, but I, <laughs> I watch him like a hawk, so I think he knows. But honestly, if 
it's not too bad. Like I'd rather have him just have these random stomach issues once in a while than have him be sick. And again, because he's such a perfect angel baby, if he does eat something off the ground, he'll let me open his mouth. I'll stick my hand <laughs> in his mouth and <laughs> scoop whatever he tried to eat out. So it's, you know, it's the joys of having a Toby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what are some key considerations people should take into account before adopting or buying a new pet? Um, in terms of non-money related considerations, um, first things first, adopt, don't shop. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of situations where people would prefer to purchase an animal, but if you are willing and able, I highly recommend adopting a dog or a cat or an animal in need, just because we want to reduce the number of pets and animals in shelters and they need homes. <laughs> um, so that's my first key consideration point is to do your research, um, see if you can adopt an animal instead. And Another big thing is to understand the commitment that you're making. Um, depending on the animal, you're looking at probably 10 years of commitment to this animal, both your time and money. And I think you mentioned this with COVID happening and a lot of people looking to adopt or purchase a puppy or a kitten or a pet in general. My biggest fear is when lockdown is lifted and people have to go back to work, and they don't have the time commitment that they had while working from home, I'm just afraid that shelters are going to see an influx of animals. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing is to make sure that you have the resources to take care of an animal because it's important that you're able to commit to this being for its entire life. And then lastly, be prepared for unexpected costs because you don't want to be in a situation where your animal, your pet gets sick and you can't afford it. So whether that's having money set aside or researching and finding a good pet insurance plan to have a plan in place in case something happens. Yeah. And another point on that monetary side is that I think it's important to try to budget out one-time costs and also recurring expenses and then break it down month by month to see if it fits into your budget or if it's within your means to be able to afford a pet as well because there are a lot of costs that we mentioned in this episode that may not be completely like top of mind when you think of pet ownership. Yeah, exactly. And I think researching the type of animal that you want really impacts the cost. So for me, a big dog made sense just because I live at home. I have a huge backyard available for Toby to do a zoomie. I have a time commitment to be able to take him on long walks. I'm able to afford expensive food for him. But maybe if I lived in an apartment and I was by myself, maybe a small dog makes more sense because they don't need such a huge backyard. They eat way less. <laughs> so I wouldn't have to spend so much on food. And Maybe if I were busier and I weren't allergic to cats, maybe a cat would be a better pet option instead because cats are, compared to dogs, cheaper and not as big of a time commitment because they don't need to be taken out for walks to pick where cats can just relieve themselves on their own. <laughs> yes, they're a lot more self-sufficient. Exactly. <laughs> 
Do you have any resources that you'd recommend to people to look into who want to potentially get a pet? From my experience, I can only speak to my adoption journey with the Greyhound community. There are so many resources from adoption groups where they have um, tips and tricks, things to look out for, um, books and resources. Um, So when I was adopting Toby, there are so many Greyhound adoption group Facebook groups online. And I'm not kidding when Greyhound owners are like in a cult because (laughs) we're all obsessed with Greyhounds and we just love them so much. (laughs) Um, But there's so many groups online where they have tips and tricks. If anyone is interested in adopting a Greyhound, there is a book, Retired Racing Greyhounds for Dummies. So like the Four Dummies series, they have a book specifically for retired Specifically. Yes. Wow. And that's very niche. <laughs> very niche, but very thorough. And I learned a lot from that book. So I borrowed that from the library, did a lot of note taking, um, really great resource. Um, so I'm pretty sure there's a lot of resources out there in terms of books, um, Facebook groups, just groups in general, adoption group websites, talking about cost of pet ownership, what you're getting into, yeah, most of my research was done online. And I think it's really important to really know what you're getting yourself into when you're adopting a specific breed or type of animal when you're um, looking at getting a pet. Yeah, absolutely. That brings us to the end of our show. Irene, thanks so much for joining me. And if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? Toby's a bit of an internet celebrity. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone's interested in following Toby's adventures, he is on Instagram and TikTok at Toby Moo Moo because he looks like a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I will link those in the show notes. As the aspiring misf independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.